in general have trained partners that love the product and are engaged with the company is the last thing. That's super important as well. You'd be able to see that with for training, for branding, and for the revenues as well at the end of the quarter. Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. Good morning. I'm Simon Church. I'm the VP of content with the Cloud Software Association. My day job is running partnerships for in industry verticals for Box.com. So with me here today is, is Asaf Fradkin. So he's head of partnerships for Monday.com. And we're here to talk about partnerships. And uh, in the case of, of Monday.com, we're going to be talking about the bold decision that Asaf made to round his partners to help uh, move them forward to the next level. So first off, Asaf, let's uh, talk a little bit about your role and, and a quick overview of Monday.com. Yeah. So Monday.com is a work collaboration platform that enables companies streamline their processes, break internal silos, and work better together towards an objective, like general objective. And yeah, we like to think of ourselves as the company's operating system. Currently, we have over 70,000 paying companies in over 140 countries across 200 business verticals with over $80 million in ARR. Our headquarters is in Israel, Tel Aviv, and the growth rate that we're experiencing is tremendous. We're tripling ourselves every year on all metrics. So that's very exciting. That sounds like you've had a lot of great growth. And then, and then just to clarify then, give me an example of how a company would be using monday.com, some of the use cases. Yeah. So it's anything from managing a team, like delegating tasks, seeing who's in charge of what and what's going to happen and who's in charge of that. Anything from that to processes. So if I have items that needs to go through a certain process, whether it is a security process or operations or marketing, there's, there's a process there. So all of those items would go through that process. Everyone on the team would be able to, to see where is what and where things stand in general all the way to uh, working with clients. So if I have a project that I work on with clients, let's say I develop websites for my clients. So all of that work would be on Monday, the tracking and the delivery of the project would be all together on Monday.com. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. So then it sounds like it's a pretty broad product in terms of uh, you must yeah. have multiple buyers across a typical organization. Yeah. So it can be from a team leader or a manager at any level of the management all the way to the CEO or the COO that oversees the operations and processes across all of the company. So it can be the head of a certain department or a division. That depends on how we want to roll it out and what the needs are. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like very, very diverse and it can be 
the COO, it can be the team leader in marketing or the VP of HR. Great. Okay. So pretty much any department in the organization would have a need for this and then probably any company in any type of industry. Yeah, exactly. Great. And then before we start talking about partnering, give us a quick overview of say the direct selling side of your business. How's your sales team set up? Yeah. So first of all, historically, we had a very strong self-serve engine and that would deliver most of the business through. So accounts would see an ad start uh, to try the tool and then convert to paid plan. Then about 18 months ago, we started to build both the direct sales and the channel sales. And then because we were receiving about 5,000 leads a day from our marketing, we decided to send leads both to our internal sales and to the channel sales. And that would be the uh, non-English speaking. So English speaking countries would go to direct sales and non-English speaking to the channel sales. Now, originally we had about 12 reps. All of them were located here in Tel Aviv, where each of them would get about 10 leads every day. Yeah, today we have internally, we have about 35 quota carrier um, reps, uh, both in Tel Aviv and in New York. Wow, that's amazing. So 5,000 leads per day. And then I think what you said was uh, you're, you're giving your AEs uh, 10 of those leads per day. But then what you found was, uh, given that high volume of leads coming through, it was too many for your internal team to, to handle. So that's, that's really what kicked off your channel program and the need to give some of those leads to the channel so that they could start to sell into them. Exactly. And then what proportion, before we get into the, the partnering side, what is the split between how much revenue is coming in through direct sales versus partner, through the channel? So altogether, the touch funnel, so both direct sales and channel sales bring together about 30% of the business. The rest of the 70% comes from the seltzer. And the space between the direct and indirect is two-thirds comes from direct sales and third from channel sales. So altogether, partners deliver about 10% of the company's revenue. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, so then... and what's exciting about that is that those 10% only come from the partners and internally, it's only, we're talking about only three quota carriers. So initially, the team was consists of four people. That was me and three more people, those were the quota carriers, and they were delivering 10% of the, the, the revenue. Okay, so just to clarify then, the 10% of the revenue that's associated with partners, how many partners do you have now, and, and what is a typical partner for Monday.com? Yeah, so now we're at about 40 partners. Some of them are in different stages of the training. We have about 25 to 30 partners that are fully trained. The profile is resellers of other work-related tools like Google, uh, G Suite, Zendesk, Salesforce, HubSpot, um, and we're getting the best in class. So, for example, Google G Suite, we are working with their biggest partner in Asia, which is Master Concept. And, for example, with uh, Zendesk, we're working with their biggest one in Brazil, which is ActiNow. So we're getting good traction. 
Great. Okay. So then you've got a broad range of these partners that are already resellers of SaaS solutions, and then they're contributing to about 10% of your revenue. If you think just sort of at a high level, besides the revenue piece, what is the value that the partners are bringing to monday.com? Is it just all about the revenue or are there other things that you're looking to get out of a relationship with partners? Yeah. So basically we had four reasons for starting to work with our partners. One was overall revenue growth. So another channel for growing our ARR. Second would be growing in bigger accounts. So that was both on our and the direct sales plate, getting those bigger and bigger accounts, more stable, less churn source of, of revenue. The third is getting revenues internationally. So not only from North America or English speaking, trying to tap into markets that our marketing cannot reach and basically get our reach bigger and broader. And the fourth one is delivering services. So our tool is getting deeper and deeper and more and more complex. And now with those bigger accounts, they also acquire some services which internally we do not want to provide. So that's the fourth reason to have those partners. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So yeah, so largely revenue looking across uh, companies of all sizes, but then also looking at how do we get into bigger accounts and driving revenue there? How do we then get into the international and into more international companies? And then of course, being able to provide the services so that monday.com doesn't have to do them. Okay. So that's great. And then in terms of, we were chatting a little bit before in terms of the evolution of the partner program. And it sounds like, I think as with any partner program, you ran into some challenges and some, you got it started and then it hit some roadblocks and which ultimately led you to make some significant changes. Could you share a little bit more about the roadblocks that, that you ran into? Yeah. So the biggest one was to understand partners' contribution. So in order to accelerate partners' engagement and mindshare, we were sending those leads. And so it was large number of leads. So we were sending out about 400 leads every day. And we were wondering, because we had such a strong self-serve, what would have happened if those leads wouldn't have been sent to our partners. So we saw the revenues coming in, but what percentage of that was the contribution of the partners? Some of the deals require longer sales process. Sometimes it was only one call, and sometimes the leads were converted with the partners not being able to actually reach the customer. So we were wondering what exactly was the contribution of having those partners when we're talking about our own generated leads. So it was hard to measure the contribution. And when it's hard to measure them, you can't really scale it. So that was the biggest problem for us. Got it. Yeah. So without really getting a clear sense of of how these partners were contributing, you couldn't figure out how to tweak, how to scale the model, what was actually working, what wasn't. And I think that's a classic thing. You set up a partner program. It's a little bit reactive. Uh, You're sending leads out there to sort of take care of, to help you address some of your immediate needs. But then at some point, you're actually trying to figure out 
how do we make sense of this and how do we get a, a better grip of what's working and what wasn't? And it sounds like that was sort of at the point where you were at. Yeah, exactly. Great. And so then how did you tackle it? What did you do? Yeah, next? so we had some alternatives. First, we tried maybe sending out leads that we think are already dead. Like we know that they're not going to convert. So anything the, the partners would get from that, we would know it was, it's, it's going to be his. That didn't work out. And then we had a couple more tries. And eventually the new approach that we took was we found out that the self-serve cannot generate accounts with 50 users and more. And so our new approach was you are only getting credit for accounts that had crossed the 50 users mark. So salespeople would bring in any deal that wouldn't consider as their deal and they wouldn't get commission only when it crosses the 50 user mark. The problem here is that sometimes there was a lot of work put in into selling an account and eventually they would go for 25 users or 30 users and obviously that gets a lot of frustration over for the partners because they feel they have done a lot. We have got the account as a customer but they're not getting their revenue from that. Yeah, so that was the biggest problem. Yeah, I can imagine because going from the old day where you would send them these leads, they may not even have to put any effort into them. They would close and then they would get a commission from it. And then some of the leads you'd send over might only close with five or 10 users. And then it sounds like many of the leads that you would send over would rarely break the, the 50 user mark. And so now changing that, and mandating that in order for them to, to get their commissions, they have to sell a deal that's greater than 50 users is a complete mind change or mind shift. And so now they've got, right. to, they've got to really figure out how they approach each of these leads coming in, how they approach it to get it up to that, that 50 user mark instead of taking the, the quick win and just closing it for, for five users. Is that pretty much the case? Or yeah. What the experience was? Yeah, exactly. And those 50 users accounts were pretty rare back, back then because we had so many leads so you wouldn't normally put effort into into growing those leads when you have more and more coming in every day it was hard for them to understand how we can make it work how can we make a business only from those very rare cases of 50 user and more and yeah, it took a lot of relationship maintaining work, a lot of conversation with the channel managers, and we had to show all the things that we're going to do, how we're going to change both the leads that we're sending and what we are expecting them to do and try to prove how it's going to work. Because for them, it, it was a really uh, big change and hard for them to really understand that it's going to work. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this is that uh, what you said before was that it's very rare for a partner to sell or to close a deal for 50 users beforehand. And so now they were mandated to do it, which means any time a deal did close with 50 users, I think from your side, that would pretty much make it clear to you that the partner had put some effort in, they'd had to run a sales cycle, and really they'd earned their commission. So it sounds like that was sort of the main change or one of the key changes that would happen but it satisfied your concern before 
which was, how do I know if the partners have actually done anything to earn this commission? Exactly. So then how did you help them through this change? What were some of the key elements that you undertook as a company to help your partners through this change? So first of all, I think usually you say it's really important to build relationship. Don't really know where it's going to take you. But this is exactly where I understood the value of our relationship, of our channel managers being able to tell the partners, if you trust me, then continue this journey with me and I will make sure that you are going to be happy with that. So relationship building, as much as it's a cliche, it's super important. And for us, that was the number one issue that, was, that we leaned on in this change. Second of all, we needed to show the trajectory of the company and how we are growing and how to persuade them that they want to be the first uh, resellers of the next HubSpot or Salesforce. And so we showed a lot of where the company is heading and what we're planning and so on. Third, I think showing the stuff that we want to do in order to make it work. So how are we going to change the leads? How are we going to change the lead assignment? What's going to be the sales process? We needed to change the sales process as well. We also had added a cushion period. So we didn't want it to be like a cold turnkey that you change it one day and then all the way through. We changed it pretty quickly, but we gave them two months of a cushion period where they had the transition going. And yeah, I think like those things made a, a huge change. Some of the partners obviously left. It was about four partners altogether, but most of them stayed and got even bigger and bigger. Yeah, so that was the outcome. That's great. Yeah, because I, I can imagine if I'm a partner and you've made this big change, that's a lot to figure out. But what you're saying, I think the keys there were having strong relationships with those partners and then being able to really talk up the story of your growth plans and really convincing them that they're, they're here at the ground stages or at that first level and they're going to be part of something much bigger. So stay around, trust us, and, and become one of those early adopters for us. Exactly. Excellent. So then, exactly. And then I think you said that you were in, in our chat beforehand, you were saying you made these changes towards the end of last year. So now we're in July, which is what, sort of six or seven months since you've made the change. Tell us where things stand. I mean, what are the results that you've seen over that period of time? Yeah. So first of all, those bigger deals of 50 users and more are, are now very common. Like you can imagine that if this is the only thing you care about, like you're going to get those uh, 50 users deals. So now we have them daily, while back then we would have only one or two a month, if anything. So this is the first thing. Second of all, it's easier for us to, to understand and measure the partners. And when you can understand the value and measure, you can scale a lot more. So it was easy for me to say, you know what, let's hire three more channel managers because with that, I can scale it however I want and not care about spending too much on commission because with every dollar I pay, I obviously make for the company. So it's a success base and, and this is the way it should work. And so if you look at the numbers, we're at about 45 partners today. 
again, lost about five and we're growing more and more right now. So I feel like it, we really made a rather smooth change to what could be a very big problem. And obviously when we're recruiting now partners, it's a lot easier for us because yeah. this is just the way it is, right? It's not changing from anything. It's like, uh, that's the way it is. So that's great. Yeah, so, so I think overall it was rather good. So your bold decision paid off. You started this program, you had to make a strong change that you knew would be unpopular with your partners, but you stuck with it. You won your partners over and then you've seen some, some great results. So now you're getting more of those 50 plus user deals. You have more insights into the value of your partners. So it's easier to scale and, and spin up partners and then also spin up your own channel managers to manage those partners. And then it clearly shows in the results in terms of more partners have now seen what this program can do and have signed on. So that's, those are great results. Congratulations. So Thank look, you very much. We're coming up on time. So as we look back on this experience, so I think we've got a couple more minutes before we uh, wrap up this interview. So just thinking back over this overall experience, are there, are there one or two things in terms of lessons learned that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, so first of all, as I already mentioned, relationship with partners is super important. You need to develop it throughout the way. You never know when you're going to be needing it. Whether you would want to do a change like we have done, or maybe the company would have an off order or an off year, and you would still want them around. And you can't do that without building a solid relationships. So this is the first one. I think what we had is a very clear and good example for that. Second of all is not to be afraid of those changes. We're internally a startup. Usually are very accustomed to have uh, changes. Environment is changing constantly and we need to make sure that our partners are comfortable with that as well. So at the beginning, it was hard for us to convey that message that a change is good and everything's going to be good and we're going to see that through. And we needed to train them in order to think like that as well. So don't be afraid to do those changes to your channel program. That's the second thing. And yeah, in general, have trained partners that love the product and are engaged with the company is the last thing. So that's super important as well. You'd be able to see that with for training, for branding, and for the revenues as well at the end of the quarter. So yeah, this is the three key lessons. Excellent. Well, thanks, Asaf. Our, our time is up. So I wanted to thank you for coming in today. And of course, I'm, I'm really excited to see the next step in the growth of monday.com and, and your partner program. And hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be talking about the next step up for your partner program. So uh, thank you. And this is Asaf and Simon signing off. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe and join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you as always to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.